What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. Not sure what number we're on. Five, six, 18 for us. I don't know. Beatty, what's up, man? What up? All right, y'all. Today, we're going to go over uh, college football weekend, the NFL. Jimmy Butler decided he doesn't like Tibbs as much as everyone thought. And um, was there anything else? Trouble in Pittsburgh? Yeah, trouble in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin has lost control. I'll, I'll take Mike Tomlin any day. Um, all right, man, let's start with college football first. I mean, pretty run-of-the-mill weekend. We did have a couple upsets. Those weak-ass Wisconsin Badgers, who I said were <laughs> always overrated, finally lost. Um, anything else stick out to you? Yeah, the Wisconsin was big because Wisconsin was expected to run the table and set up for a big win for Ohio State. Without that, I kind of question the strength of the conference by the end of the season for Ohio State. I don't think they'll leave Ohio State out, but um, then USC getting dominated by Texas was a big one for me. It's another. Really, all I'm doing in these, I'm watching the Pac-12 and I'm watching the ACC because if this they look so bad that the strength of schedule could get two SEC teams in. So that's all I'm really paying attention to. But Texas I, beating USC is unacceptable. That's what I think is going to happen. I, I told y'all from week one or week two, USC is no good. Um, that you know they don't have. A, a proven quarterback. They've, I mean, they're always going to have playmakers, but it's just not a good team. Um, Texas is actually surprising me, especially after coming out and putting on that stink joint. By the way, can we talk about something? Yeah, we're on a we're on a podcast, folks <laughs> out there. Don't name your kids Little Jordan, okay? That the man balled out seventeen receptions, two hundred seventy-five yards, two touchdowns. And we got to sit and look at his name. All these confused white people out here going, <laughs> Little Jordan, that's his real name. Stop doing that to your damn kids, okay? Call him LJ well, something. Well, I mean, if the dude is trying to get a regular job, then you don't want to name him Little Jordan. But if you're going to be a hard-ass receiver, you can be, have the name Little Jordan. It just puts <laughs> a lot of pressure on you to be a great athlete. But you have to be that's, great that's in your order only to be avenue. Little Jordan. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, man. I mean, that kid straight up balled out. Um, by the way, Sam Ellinger threw for 723 yards and six touchdowns, but... Lord, that defense is bad. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm looking at... You know what? That's got to be total yards. That's he total could not yards. have thrown seven hundred okay, yards. Okay, because that, that threw me off. <laughs> and then, uh, homeboy, that yeah, that's total yards. I, I got confused because <laughs> then I was overly impressed with these people. I was like, wait a minute, Texas is this good? Um, nah, so no. we'll see how they go into their battle with TCU this weekend, who put up a good fight for uh, most of the game against Ohio State. Yeah, see, TCU's biggest problem is that they're always going to have good defense. I mean, I know you look at it as college football and Ohio State put up 40, but still, I mean, Ohio State is, like, supremely talented on offense. Theoretically, TCU has a really good defense, but because their offense is isn't that great? It leaves the defense on the field for so long. They haven't had a decent offense since uh, Trevion Boinkins or whatever. Yeah, he needs a better quarterback to push that system. TCU's a threat, but as long as their offense is like that, I don't think they're really a legit threat to win anything. No, I agree with you on that. Um, now they are matched up with Texas this week, I believe. So I right. think it's a TCU Texas matchup. So coming off that USC win, it's interesting to see how Texas will perform. So, um, 
first of all, I'm just going to take this shot out there and go ahead and throw it out that another team that just doesn't play anybody, Oklahoma, plays nobody this year. I mean, yeah, UCLA, first year, Chip Kelly, woohoo. You know, FAU, I mean, y'all ain't played. You got Army this week. Come on, man. So out of, out of all the teams in the NCAA that you want to point out don't play anybody, I'm just you're going to you know. pick Oklahoma. Oklahoma's already said we're going to play TCU. We're going to play West Virginia. We're going to play, uh, who's the other one? O- Oklahoma State, who beat number 17 ranked uh, Boise State this weekend. So let me know when you have gotta to play, play Texas, where they got to play Colorado State and North Texas back to back. Okay, let me let me know when that happens. Okay, because Arkansas, well, we got a hard schedule. We're not playing powerhouses. I mean, compared to Arkansas' schedule, yeah, it is light. I mean, the I'm likes. Just, of I'm just making a joke about how bad Arkansas North is right Texas. <laughs> no, look, let's let's talk about that uh, punt return real quick though. How did you feel as an Arkansas fan when that happened? I, I turned the TV off. Uh, now, uh, a, Cole Kelly, our starting quarterback, was absolutely awful. Now I saw that punt, and I was like, well, there's really no point to watch this game anymore. So I, I moved on to other things. Uh, I think I was watching the Auburn-LSU game after that. But, yeah, I was, I'm pretty much done with the Hogs this year. I'll watch, but I'm not expecting – I if I, I'm not expecting shit. It's, it's more the same of the last four or five years with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Well, besides for a couple of matchups in week week three of the NCAA schedule, I don't think there's a lot of matchups that's intriguing. I think the only one I see this week on the schedule is going to be Texas A&M versus Alabama. That's slightly intriguing, but the performance that two will put up against Ole Miss, I really don't have any faith outside of LSU, Georgia, maybe Auburn, that anybody would come within 30 to 40 points of Alabama. Yeah, Alabama's on a whole new level. Um, Ole Miss came out and scored the first touchdown of the game and then just got stomped. <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, they, they, it was 7 nothing. Then I turned the TV on again later on. It was 63-7. So, uh, not, not good. I was, I was looking, and I can't, I can't understand. Like, this is why football recruiting rankings, like, baffle me. I looked at Tua, and he was like the number 57 recruit in the nation. And I'm looking at this dude play, and I'm I'm wondering, how how is it possible that that dude would be ranked number 57? He looks like by far the best quarterback in the last two years in college football. I mean, it happens all the time. You look at a cat like Khalil Mack, who was a two-star and wasn't recruited by anybody except Buffalo, and then, I mean, he's – probably a top five player in the NFL right now. I mean, it, it happens. So, But it, it's, it's kind of harder to tell with, like, linebackers, though, because, you know, you got to put on size. You get a good working – I mean, a good workout program. You can change their body. But essentially, quarterbacks, you can you can kind of tell, right? Yeah, you, you would think. You would think. Um, yeah. All right, man, let's move on to bigger and better things. Let's go to the NFL. Um, first stop on the list – before we get to some of the games that happen and some and we talk about the upcoming week Josh Gordon to the Patriots um are people making too big a deal of this or are we expecting too much from Josh Gordon or is it just going to be this is what the Patriots do and outside of Randy Moss the Patriots still don't have any good receivers or haven't had an electric dynamic receiver um and this is just much to do about nothing or is this you know a pretty big deal I mean, it's one of those, it's going to be hard to tell because on the one hand, talent-wise, it's a huge deal because you're giving 
Tom Brady a receiver with the skill set. Not saying that he's as great as Randy Moss, but he has some of the same skill set where he could dominate a game, and he's still young. So you're giving him to one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game. On another note, that dude is extremely troubled. He has substance abuse issues. I don't know if he can handle the pressure. I always thought something was funny all offseason when they didn't want him to show up at camp. I thought it was just due to the hard knocks. But you could look at that hard knocks and tell that the only person that was kind of excited about getting Josh Gordon back was uh, the coach. Uh, What's his name? Yeah, Hugh Jackson. You know Hugh Jackson is a player's coach. He gives people a chance. But Todd Haley wasn't excited. Dorsey wasn't excited. Nobody else was excited about him. And it seems like the only person that was communicating with him was Hugh Jackson. So I'm almost willing to bet that he fucked over Hugh Jackson somehow. And that's why he burnt his last bridge. You know what? Because I think they wanted him out of Cleveland anyway. It was it was just time. It, you know, it's it, first of all, it's been five years since we've seen the guy put up any real numbers. Cons- I mean, he's played 11 games in five years. So while I think that the talent is still there, I think people need to maybe halt the expectations that this guy is still. I mean, five years is a long time. That's a long, long time. Uh, but, but no veteran leadership, though. So right. you, a change of scenery should be good for him because he'll have better support. When you got nothing but kids and failed draft picks and yeah. bad coaching Cleveland's and management. not a good situation for him. Yeah, it's hard for anybody to ever be serious. Now, you put him on a team like a Patriots where he has something to compete for. He can win. There's winners around him. There's people that he respect. That could be a change. Or he could fall under pressure and fall right back into the substance abuse. I definitely agree. Um, and if you're... One of those Josh Gordon believers out there, especially in the fantasy world, hold tight. We'll see what, where this ride takes us. Um, but it is an eye-opening moment, just like DeMarcus Cousins going to the uh, Golden State Warriors. I mean, if it works, it's going to work. <laughs> you know, right. If it's work, it's going to be a problem. And we've, ar- but, we've already seen what Tom Brady can do with a dynamic wide receiver. So, um, And while that's not to say Brandon Cooks wasn't great, but I don't think he's on the level of a – I mean, he definitely ain't on the level of a Randy Moss or – I don't think he's on the level of what what we've seen out of Josh Gordon. Bro, Josh Gordon came in after not going to training camp, playing like 30 snaps and caught like the game-time touchdown. Put up set, coverage. Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> so he could clearly still play. So I'm curious to see it, um, what this is going to look like in New England. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. So let's get to the, some, of the game, some of the games that happened over the weekend. Um, another tie with the uh, Packers-Vikings. And um, I just want you to know, man, you, you may not be on the train, but I'm telling you, Kirk Cousins can ball. So this is kind of like me, kind of like you were with Baker Mayfield. I'm starting to come along to the Kirk Cousins might actually be talented train. You know, uh, he's he's been pretty incredible. The reads that he's been making. So maybe it was just a lack of receivers that made me not respect him. But I didn't think he could throw the deep ball. I thought he was a check down master, and he's proven me wrong. So I, I'm almost willing to say I'm wrong. Not yet. I don't really take anything serious till after week four. That's when you really know who teams are. Like, But oh, I I mean, right now he's impressing. Man, he made a pass <clears throat> that got in between um, two defenders to uh, Adam Thielen in the corner. I mean, I mean, a lot of that's luck. I mean, but – it was just the per- the perfect only window that he could fit this ball into, and I, I mean it was a- it was incredible. It truly was, and you know, 
that that seventy five yard bomb to to Stephon. I mean, it was just a great game by Kirk Cousins. Um, but on the other and side to of the his field, defense, he's he's never really had a receiver like Thielen. Now Diggs is explosive and he's great, but obviously the favorite receiver of that bunch is Thielen. He right. He's a good blank safety blanket for him. No doubt about it. And on the other side of that, you had Aaron Rodgers, who man, it looks like he. He can't put any pressure on that left leg. Maybe it was he's not used to playing with that knee brace, uh, obviously. Or I think it, you know they're saying he's got a deep knee bone bruise, but I, I, it's, it's something a little bit funky about how Aaron Rodgers played. Um, you know, on that knee. I mean, he literally didn't put any pressure on his leg while he was throwing the ball this weekend. I'd be interested to see Aaron Rodgers' contract. I'm wondering if there's any kind of language about missed games or percentage of time for that guaranteed money or that $80 million that he's due. Because it really doesn't make sense for him to come back for that Bears game, even though it was an outstanding performance. But the risk that he's taking with playing on that knee and it doesn't look stable is concerning. So I would, I'm, I want to see the language in that contract to see if there's something offsetting about injuries or missing percentage of time. Um... Yeah, I, we'll we'll see because I I think that there's there's more that we're learning and I I know it's been floated out there that he might have a that, that people are starting to suspect that he might have a torn ACL and he's just not he's just gonna play on it like Philip Rivers did. I don't know if that's sustainable for a whole season, but I I, th- I don't know. I thought when it happened when it happened, I thought he had an ACL uh, because you can play on ACL. I mean Carson Wentz hurt his ACL, came back and played like a series and threw for a touchdown, so you can do it. It's just, especially if you're not scrambling and moving laterally. But like you said, it's not sustainable and shit. It's fucking dangerous. Right. Truthfully. <laughs> well, you can't make it any worse. But you know, Wentz's injury, like he tore his ACL and his PCL, or like he tore a couple. That's why you saw his knee buckle when he was walking. Like it, you saw his leg pop out of place or something weird like that last year. Um, but let's talk about the Browns, man. <laughs> snatching victory from snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, actually. Um, really should have won that game <laughs> against the Saints. And uh, by the way, they the over the past few seasons they've done a really good job of making Drew Brees look like a pretty pedestrian quarterback, which is very hard to do. It's funny because I still think this Browns defense is pretty good. There, I mean, this Browns defense is playing really hard. I think the team is playing pretty hard. But two games in a row, the kicker has cost them the game. Yeah, I I mean, it's just one of the positions that you don't pay attention to until it fails you <laughs> and it's kind of sad that those guys have they're one in 31 or whatever or one in what 132 and one right now yeah over the past three seasons and they're losing games they should be winning if they just had an average kicker so i mean it's kind of it's kind of deflating but hey when you're a bad organization after week one they should have been testing kickers out so if you're going to go into game two you get what you deserve <laughs> Well, they've seemed to have solved that problem. I know they they cut a they cut that kicker and then uh they signed somebody. I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Dan Bailey or something like that or he's in Minnesota, one or the other. Cuz they Minnesota also had some serious kicking issues uh this weekend as well. Um, I was uh, watching the red zone and that dude was going crazy cuz he was like this is one of the worst kicking weeks that I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> um so Turns out the game one was not a fluke for Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, he came up and he threw for 400 yards, uh, four touchdowns, and I think completed like 85% of his passes or something against the Eagles on on, uh, on Sunday. 
Yeah, they cooled down in the second half, but that first half run, he did look good. I mean, if we, we think about it, that, that offense has some weapons, and the only thing that's been holding that offense back is James. has been Jameis Winston. So I'm not super surprised because if you look at their receiving core, Deshaun Jackson has always killed the Eagles. That's not surprising. Mike Evans is a matchup problem for everyone. And then you throw in Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard. They have the talent. What's the one thing that they're missing? Jameis Winston. Yep. Someone is not making a read. Someone is not making a pass. And someone is not taking the chance and throwing the ball up. Now that that's happening, you see a whole different Bucks team. And I actually think this Bucks team is legit on offense. Defense, not so sure. But offense, I definitely think they're legit. So do you think they bring back Jameis Winston after the suspension? No, I don't. Because I don't actually think they want to commit money to Jameis Winston. For one, I, he's a liability. So I don't think, barring an injury, I don't think, barring an injury to Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't think that Jameis Winston plays another snap for the Buccaneers. I, I think I think that that's probably done. But this is my problem with the Buccaneers and organizations like the Buccaneers. You know that you're not fully committed to Jameis Winston. So why are you wasting a pick on Ronald Jones? Right. That's a position that you can get. You can feel that position. You had Peyton Barber. You can go get a running back. Why are you taking one of the most posi- important positions and you're in position to get a quarterback to back him up? Why wouldn't you get a quarterback then? Ryan Fitzpatrick is okay, but we know this story. He's going to play well enough. Next season, he's going to probably come back, and he's going to be terrible. He might be terrible by week eight. Well, I mean, but I, it's the same approach I take to the New York Giants, right? Like, I think Saquon Barkley's great, but it's bad. the thing that's holding them back right now is the same thing that's holding the Buccaneers back. It's Eli Manning. Eli Manning is not a good quarterback in today's NFL. Yeah, they've got some offensive line issues, but Eli has been an atrocity. That's why I think... Now that you're looking at in the same building, same city, you're over there looking at Sam Darnold, and, you know, I'm one of those guys. We've talked about it. I think that running backs are a dime a dozen. Yes, I think Saquon Barkley is going to be great, but if you don't have a quarterback, you're screwed, and the Giants do not have a quarterback right now. Man, uh, the quarterback in Buffalo might be better than Eli Manning right now. Not Nate Peterman. uh, Josh uh, Allen. (laughs) Josh Allen. But uh, let me touch on this one. Speaking of Buffalo, what about Vontae Davis retiring at halftime? Hey, that's part of playing for the Bills, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know. uh, yeah, it, it is, if it was another organization, this would be a bigger deal. But I feel like the Bills are so bad. When I saw this saw this quote, I was like, yeah, I kind of understand that. I kind of see it. Like, yeah. why? Why like, am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, Vontae, let's up. Uh, mount up. <laughs> Second half, and he's like, nah, shit. Nah, think I'm going to hang it up, man. I'm out, y'all. I can't do this no more. Y'all some bums. I, I ain't got it like I used to. I'm out. So, I mean, that's yeah, it comes with territory. All right, man, let me ask you this. Are you a believer in Pat Mahomes? I am. But I was, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big 12 fan, so I've seen Pat Mahomes for a long time. And I know what Pat Mahomes is. My Pat Mahomes is a gunslinger. He doesn't have. He has a no quit mentality, and he's gonna let that thing fly. He has one of the best arms, probably in the last ten years. He has a rocket, and even when he was injured, he's a winner. One season he played like the whole season with like a messed up ankle or messed up knee, kind of like Byron Leftwich, and was still making plays. So he's a playmaker. He just has never had elite talent. And the matchup with him and Tyreek Hill together, that's going to be almost unstoppable with a dude that can throw it 80, 85 yards easily and then Tyreek Hill being the fastest player in the NFL. So I think that Andy Reid has his quarterback. 
I think it's a perfect matchup. The problem is, I don't think they can win a championship because of the same things I just said. Patrick Mahomes is a gunslinger. Andy Reid, he's not a good game caller, a game time manager. And Tyreek Hill, I'm not sure he can run the whole route tree. So it's going to be more of the same, but it's going to be exciting to watch. I think, uh, and I know this is going to get some laughs, but I'm being dead serious. I think Patrick Mahomes has the best arm in the NFL that I've seen probably since Jamarcus Russell. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, legit, Jamarcus Russell could throw it 50 yards on his knees. Like, yeah, you legitimately should say, so. You shouldn't say the best arm. I just mean be, a like, cannon. Specific. Yeah, like best arm strength. Just yeah. be very specific so they don't get that confused. With I mean, else. Jamarcus Russell and Jay Cutler had two fantastic arms. I mean, neither one of them worth a damn, but especially in the Jamarcus Russell case. But, yeah, I mean, you talk about being able to throw it 80 yards. Jamarcus Russell could throw that thing probably 80, 90 yards and 50 yards on his knees. Jay Cutler the same way. So, um you know what I have concerns with Patrick Mahomes about is if a team just played underneath. Um, this is kind of what teams do to OU sometimes. This is why they struggled over the weekend against Iowa State because they literally just play like three, uh, like a cover three, cover four, drop safeties back, take away the deep ball, and forces um, our quarterback to be patient underneath. I'm wondering if a team does that to Patrick Mahomes, I don't know that he can be patient underneath. I think if you start getting him throwing intermediate routes, that you can start seeing some turnovers. Because I've never really seen him be patient, do long drives over and over again. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, um, I think that you know, I think Mahomes is going to have his growing pains. And I think that, uh, I think that at some point this train will slow down. I mean, what he's doing isn't super sustainable, but I think that he has a chance to be just an all-timer, uh, you know, as far as, the talent that he has and the weapons that he has around him, I think that, you know, he's got some all-time talent for sure. What about this Jags team coming in and knocking off the Patriots? Well, the Patriots coming in and the Jags knocking them out. What do you think about them? You know, I, th- I mean, I've said it before. I think the Jags are for real team. I think I actually think that, that Leonard Fournette being in the game, not being in the game helped them. Um, it too. gave... Blake Bortles a chance to run around and make some moves, and they really opened up the offense in the second half in a way that I don't think they would have, um, you know, had they just had Fortnite and got conservative and just tried to run the clock out. And I think that uh, the Patriots would have had more of a chance to come back had uh, had Fournette been in the game. But that defense is for real, and you know, we've always said that it was Bortles that was holding back, but Bortles has started off great this year. Man, I actually was looking at that game thinking, man, what if Leonard Fournette would have got hurt in the first half against the Patriots? We could have quite easily saw the Jags in the Super Bowl because you're right. What happened when you take that safety net of depending on Fournette and just running it and playing conservative, you don't have that anymore. That forces them to pass. And they have a lot of weapons in the passing game, a lot of fast, quick weapons if they spread them out. Because then you put running backs back there like TJ Yeldon and Corey Grant. That can That's the same type of offense that New England uses. It's a matchup problem. It spreads linebackers out. It forces you to play different coverages. And I just felt like they put a lot of pressure on New England the whole game. Right. So I like this Jags team. I don't know if Fournette is the player for the Jags with the talent that they have around them. Well, I mean, so you talk about a, a big bruising back who doesn't do much for you in the in, in the way of catching. Yeah, and, and that's why I think, you know, if, I don't know, like if you, if you look at a, at the Raiders, Marshawn Lynch works for the Raiders because that's what John Gruden wants to set up. But like Leonard Fournette would be great for the Raiders because it's just pound you into the ground. But a team that, that has so many 
outside weapons that can spread you out. Like, I mean, and Keelan Cole, man, looks dynamic. That catch that he made didn't count, but damn. Um, you know, I, I think that a back like Kareem Hunt would do well or or, or Saquon Barkley or any, any back that can catch out of the backfield and be dynamic would be great for that Jacksonville offense. I'm not sure that a, a guy that's going to run up the middle – uh, I'm not saying that Fournette is not good because he is. Uh, I just think that, like you say, he's probably not the best back for that offense. Yeah, I mean, Fournette needs to be in like the AFC North or something. <laughs> so right, yeah, the Bengals, the Ravens, a team that's going to pound you into the ground. Yeah, because the weapons that the Jags have, they literally need to play a spread and play fast. I mean, you got D.D. Westbrook, you got Keelan Cole, you got Dante Mindcrief, uh, that Chark kid. Uh, Corey Grant, TJ TJ Yeldon. I mean, they got so many fast, quick weapons that you can just do crossing routes and underneaths and flats and score. Like any any one of those guys, if they get the ball at the end of the game, they just tossed on a crossing route to D.D. Westbrook and he ran for 63 yards. They have enough talent where they don't need to play conservative, but that's the coaching style, and it could end up holding them back. Well, even that defense, um, man, they've got some of the fastest – hard-hitting linebackers i mean miles jack telvin smith i mean that defensive i mean the jacksonville jaguars man that's a good that they've got some talent everywhere on that team and you know i i know that jalen ramsey gets a lot lot of the love but aj bouye is just as good on that other side over there so they they don't Uh, hold on hold on he's good He's definitely not just as I good. I mean, he holds his own over there. He I'm not hold, holding that. your own and saying he's just as good is two different things. He's played just as good. Well. No, he played well. He's not <laughs> just as good as Ramsey. I'm not going to let you get away with throwing that. All I'm saying is they don't really have any weak points on their defense that, that just stand out. Yeah. Um, nah, no. Nah, I mean, they really don't have any weaknesses. But transitioning to something else, what is going on with the Steelers? Yeah, um, a Ben Roethlisberger. I the minute he said he was retiring, I kind of wrote off his career from this point that point forward. It's just such a Jekyll and high team. Um, you now you got Antonio Brown pissed off. I mean, obviously the Le'Veon situation isn't helping anyone, but unless you're a fancy football owner, you don't want to be messing around with the Steelers at all right now. <laughs> like I, I would hate to be an actual Steelers fan at the moment because you just. They don't look good. Now, they look great for fancy purposes, but they don't look good otherwise. Yeah, I saw um, a couple of reports. One came out saying that it's a circus in the locker room. You can kind of see it. Uh, I don't think Tomlin and Antonio Brown has gotten along over, like, the past past three years. They just keep working with each other because they have to. And he knows that how good Antonio Brown is. So you don't want to lose a weapon like that because of pride. But he's kind of had some problems with Antonio Brown because I'm looking, and Antonio Brown is, like, arguing with the offensive coordinator. So you would think that this dude isn't involved in the offense. I saw a report saying that they're trying to get him involved in the offense. Do you know that Antonio Brown has been targeted the most by any receiver in the past two weeks? He has 33 targets this year. 33. That's over 15 targets a game. Now, because Juju's making more of his targets, how, why are you mess, fussing at the coordinator? Right. I don't I don't understand. <laughs> you know, and it's it, it's I think that you know we're in year what 12 of Mike Tomlin for the yeah, Steelers. I, mean, I think I he's the I third I, I think he's the third longest tenured coach behind Marvin Lewis and Bill Belichick. Um 
And I mean, it could be that it's just time for a change. You know, it's time for a change of scenery all around. And because it's clear that there's something going on with that team uh, that's gotten to a point to where, you know, it might be time to move on from. I mean, Le'Veon's after this year, whether he plays or not, is probably gone. Um, I think that if the, if the Steelers have. But then again, the, the Steelers have only had three coaches in their entire history. Um, yeah. So I don't know that Mike Tom is going to get fired if they don't make the playoffs. But I, I imagine that some some serious changes are going to come about um, if this if this season goes south. I 100 wouldn't wouldn't go away from Mike Tomlin. I mean, it's just hard to find good coaches. I mean, I know as good as AB is, I still I would probably get rid of Antonio Brown oh, before yeah. I got rid of Tomlin. Um, Especially then, when I mean, you have you got, Juju, you got James Washington, you have weapons yeah. there. Yeah, you have you got James Conner, you have the Mason rebuild Rudolph. already set in yeah. place. I don't know about Mason Rudolph. Well, I mean, but, he was a second round draft pick, and he's going to yeah. develop, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, he's a lot better than Landry Jones. Oh no doubt God. about that. I, told, I said I would never say his name again. I apologize. <laughs> I mean, it just brings bad vibes to me. Uh, but but they've yeah, got think, young talent in place there. Yeah. I don't – I mean, I just – everything with the Steelers, I think a lot of that may come from I don't feel like the Steelers value their players. It's like they use people up in the same way New England does, but New England wins titles. And it's been a while since the Steelers won titles, but they just use people up throughout their rookie contracts, and then they really don't want to pay them. I think AB is uh, Antonio Brown is the only one that got paid, and I don't know if he got paid the first time around. I think he might have had to do another contract before he got that big check. So it's just kind of that may be part of the problem is the value they don't value their players, and they don't show value monetarily. Let me put it that way: I don't think they value their players, and they don't show them the money. I mean, you got a lot of franchises like that out there, so I'm interested to to see how this works out going forward for them. Um, I do want to talk about the Raiders Broncos real quick. Uh, I know I I flip flop on this. Amari Cooper, but Amari Cooper had a great bounce back game. Derek Carr completed 90 percent of his passes, um, 29 32 for 288 yards and one touchdown. I mean, there there were some issues. You know, again, Carr is a dink and dunk master, and he missed some plays where you know the Raiders should have won that game but I'm not I'm not 100% convinced that Derek Carr is the QB of the future I think that he could be I think that he could also be the backup I don't care but I am in bro he's a good quarterback that was against the Denver Broncos he had a good showing and he doesn't have a lot of weapons I think he doesn't I, I think that that Derek Carr is an average quarterback at best um, and hopefully he proves that me to be wrong, but I think at best he's maybe a slightly above average, but he's not a top tier quarterback. Um, well, he he's, I, he's he, got, he's got he the d- talent. He doesn't have the weapons. No, he's he doesn't the have the weapons on the outside. Those, rep- those receivers don't consistently get separation. His best year, he had Michael Crabtree, Cooper. Uh, I can't remember who you guys had in the slot. I think that was when Seth Roberts, Seth Roberts surprised people. Dropping but he had more weapons then. He doesn't have a lot of talent on the outside right now. But either way, that's not. I don't want to talk about Derek Carr too much because we, <laughs> we just don't agree. I, I, I've watched Derek Carr every game for the last for his whole career, and I I think that he is what his record is, average to maybe slightly above average. But um, but. Th- what I wanted to say is people are talking all this shit about Gruden, and I know that the Bears have been on primetime the first two weeks for some reason, um, and all this hoopla about Khalil Mack, but I think John Gruden has been a—the Raiders are definitely a much better coach team than they have been— 
probably since John Gruden left, they're 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 a bit tighter, and you can start to see some things coming together with what they're doing. Um, they should have won this game against the Broncos. They dominated most of the game, and at the end of the day, um, a failed fourth and one conversion is what. Uh, and Derek Carr did everything right. It was a great play. Uh, they drew, the fullback just dropped the ball, um, but. I think John, I'm in on John Gruden now. When he comes out and, like, today he said something just completely idiotic. He needs to understand not to take the bait and stop being a moron. But so his quote of today is, it's hard to find a good pass rusher. Just don't say shit like that, man. Like, obviously, <laughs> you're just going to bring unwanted attention and ridicule to a situation that just doesn't need it. You know, you just traded away the best pass rusher in the game. And, yeah, so don't be stupid. Like you've got, I think the Raiders are moving in the right right direction. I think trading Khalil Mack was the right move, but just don't don't give don't give the media and and everyone already who already thinks that Oakland is just a bunch of idiots. Don't give them more fuel. Don't add fuel to the fire. Don't just don't do it. There goes your mandatory Raider corner where Marcus vents his frustrations about his team that no one cares about. But I'm in on Gruden. So, um, <laughs> all right, man. Nah. Anything I don't else? have any. I don't have anything against Gruden. I think he's pretty good. No, I'm done with the NFL. Let's move on to Mr. Jimmy Butler and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, uh, Jim Butler decided that he's done with Thibodeau and his shit. He's he doesn't want to be a part of the Bulls remake, um, and he wants out. So, I don't think he's mad at Thibodeau though. I mean, everything that I'm seeing in reports is. It's more of the atmosphere and the culture that may not have anything to do with Thibodeau because that was in place before him. He has a real problem with Cat uh, and Cat's worth work ethic, his nonchalant like attitude. He doesn't like Wiggins either. Apparently, he thinks Wiggins is the same way. I mean, you can kind of look on court and you—they just—they're more like they look like street ballers out there. I mean, if you're out there, you're working hard in your craft and you're trying to win, and you got your seven-foot center shooting 15 threes a game, and then you got Wiggins who plays no defense and doesn't even care. Yeah, you can do that when you're James Harden. Definitely can't do that when you're Andrew Wiggins. So I don't blame Jimmy Butler for demanding a trade, and they better do it now, or they're gonna tank the season. Is the West is too competitive right now to go in half-hearted. You got to have everybody full force because you can get like five games over 500 this year, and I don't think you'll make the playoffs. There's gonna be somebody that misses the playoffs that has three or four games over 500. Yeah, and I I think that you know, um, I let's face it. Andrew Wiggins has not lived up to being the number one overall pick, and definitely not. Definitely. It only honestly made because I when when the um, when the Cavaliers traded him, I I couldn't understand why. A because I thought that that Kevin Love trade would have been there had they waited till February just to kind of see what you had in Wiggins. But Wiggins was supposed to be this great wing defender that really never yeah. materialized, and he can't he can't really create his own shot. Um, not not consistently. I mean, yeah, Andrew Wiggins just is an average NBA player, not what you want to see out of your number one pick. And I think that, you know, Carl Anthony Towns shows flashes, but sometimes he also just, yeah, just kind of loafs around. But I think a lot of that, I don't think Tibbs translates to being a good coach in 2018. I just don't think he can relate to the players or get the most out of these players that maybe a younger coach like a Brad Stevens, like a Quinn Snyder, um, like a Luke Walton, like a Steve Kerr could go around and Eric Spolstra and get that talent out of them. I mean, I think you're going to start to see. I don't think that that the, the the way Tibbs coaches a running them into the ground and b, you know, 
not really playing to each different each player's strong suits. I mean, I just don't think Tibbs is a great coach in 2018. No, I agree. I mean, I don't. I definitely don't think Tibbs put puts his players in position to be successful. If you watch those games, it looks like they're struggling every play. Um, they talk about Cat shooting too many threes, but every play he's literally sitting on the perimeter, like he's not rebounding. He he's digressed since Thibodeau's gotten there. He was a much better player regressed. before Thibodeau got. I mean, yeah, regressed um, since Thibodeau's got there. He he was a much better player young before Thibodeau got there. He used to rebound. At one point, the year before Thibs got there, I think he was putting up. He was in the MVP conversation. Yeah, we were talking about him being the best big man in the league in the next couple years, and now I don't think he's anywhere near that conversation. He's too comfortable playing from the outside, shooting threes. In the playoffs, they literally put James Harden and Chris Paul on him like every other play. That's just unreasonable as a big man. It's like seven foot two, and you have six foot four, six foot three guards on you. You should be able to literally just turn around and do a hook every play. And he looked lost when that happened. So, I mean, part of it is Thibs, but, you know, what can you do? I, I, I agree with Jimmy Butler requesting a trade. Did you see his destinations that he's, that he's yeah, talking about? Yeah, it looks about? like he's wanting to go to the Knicks, Nets, or the Clippers. So it's either New York or L.A. apparently is where he wants to be. What that says to me is New York and Brooklyn is because I want to play with Kyrie. Because um, that's all I've heard about is Kyrie and Jimmy Butler trying to team up. The Nets and the Knicks. The Nets specifically should definitely have the crap room to get both of them. I think the Knicks would have to make some moves. But if Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler went to the Knicks with Prozingis and Kevin and Knox, the, and Kevin Knox, I think Kevin Knox is going to be really good. That Knicks team would instantly be very, very dangerous. But I'm interested to see him going to the Nets. Because the Nets could also get both of them. The sleeper team is definitely the Clippers because I just believe in Jerry West. I think Jerry West will put a package together. The same package that they were going to give for uh, LeBron. I think it was Tobias Harris, somebody else, and like two first-round picks. Why would the Minnesota Timberwolves say no to that? Right. So, we'll see. It looks like we're, we're starting to get into that, you know, my favorite part of the year. You know, as soon as this 90-fucking-degree weather goes away and quit acting like it's supposed to be this hot outside, <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're hitting that fall. Now we got some, we got hockey coming up. We got the NBA, NFL, and college football are in full swing. Uh, it's about to be a good time around here. Yeah, it is definitely the glory times. I do want to say something about Jimmy Butler. When you keep hearing this stuff about him signing an extension, don't buy into it. Jimmy Butler's not signing an extension with anybody because if he signs any type of extension, he's losing like $15 million a year. Right. So whoever he signs with, he's basically agreeing that he'll re-sign with them next summer because any extension, that stupid CBA that they did just kind of screwed teams over because teams aren't players aren't going to get traded and sign extensions because it's just not financially smart. smart. Right. Well, I mean, but then again, you thought about, you know, Kawhi – had a chance. I mean, he left what something like seventy, eighty million on the board on the table. Uh, yeah, but that was that was just because of the um, staying with the Spurs. I mean, he still is going to get like that super max. He just can't get the max from staying with your same team. So that that's just he just can't get a two hundred million dollar contract. He has to settle for one seventy. Well, but <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know, people are th- this rule isn't working the way that the NBA thought 
it was oh, no. going to. Because, I mean, you had Paul George turn it down. You had Gordon Hayward turn it down. You had a lot of people that could offer these players millions and millions of dollars more. But at the end of the day, that's not going to be enough to say, hey, I want to stay in this situation for my whole career. Well, I know we're trying to get out of here, but just to touch on that, the really, it's a simple tweet. They have to change the rules of which qualifies you for a Supermax. Because Kawhi Leonard, that was a unique situation. But I believe the Indiana Pacers and the Utah Jazz would have kept Paul George and Gordon Hayward if they didn't have that stupid rule where you had to be all NBA for like two consecutive seasons or two or four seasons or something like that. Because if any injury happens, it knocks you out. And that's right. literally what happened to Paul George and Gordon Hayward. They suffered an injury and didn't wasn't on the all-NBA team two consecutive years. So right. even though they were the best players for that city, they didn't qualify. So they were like, fuck it, why would I stay? Yeah. I mean, that might have been the best thing to happen to Utah, though. because Actually, it might have been the best thing to happen to both those teams because Old Depot and, uh, and Donovan Mitchell, I mean... I'm not saying that you know either one of those guys right now are as good as Hayward or or uh, or Oladipo, but Oladipo is a better fit for Indiana at this point. With virtually the same team, he's done more with you know than Paul George has, and then you know Donovan Mitchell just looks like he could be Dwayne Wade 2.0. Um, and so you know they it worked out for Utah. They both and and Indiana both getting very you know electric players in the deals that they made. So well, I I would agree with the Indiana Pacers because they traded Paul George to get Depot. But they literally could have would have still gotten a chance to have Donovan Mitchell. And that team would have been a lot better if you put Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, and Gordon Hayward. I agree with that. I agree so with that. I, I, I just think that if that rule was in place, Utah would be in good shape to have a good team for the next eight, nine years. I mean like a contending team because Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, Gordon Hayward, uh, Go, uh, Gobert, Rudy Gobert, yeah, Gobert and, uh, yeah. and um, Derek, Derek Favors, that's a that's a really good starting five in the West. And they could compete because they, they, already gave, they already gave Warriors trouble before Gordon Hayward left. And you put a talented scorer like Donovan Mitchell there, that team would have been very, very dangerous. Well, because now you probably don't make that trade, and you've got, you know, I mean the trade that they made with Cleveland where you have Rodney Hood coming off the bench still. you got Joe Ingles coming off the bench. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. that would have been Jay Crowder coming off the bench. So that would have been Burks. a deep, young team. Yeah, you would have had Burks, Hood, and um, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles would have been a designated point guard to kind of let uh, Burks and uh, Hood just kind of run and go. That that team would have been deep and dangerous. It's still a dangerous team, but they're they're lacking that scoring punch, and you can you can feel that from Gordon Hayward leaving. Well, before we get too far down this hole, because if y'all don't know out there, Beatty and I can talk about the NBA. I mean, how many how many people you know out there are gonna sit and talk about the Utah Jazz uh, in the off season? You know that it just this is what we do. So um, that NBA conversation is gonna get ramped ramped up with preseason right around the corner, and then October sixteenth. Uh, you know, first official NBA tip-off. So if you're a basketball fan, make sure you keep it here because we got plenty more to talk about. Yep, make sure you check us out on Instagram at Two Smart Dummies. That's D-U-M-M-I-E-S, the number two, Two Smart Dummies. Also, you can contact us on Gmail if you want to tell us how smart we are or how much of an idiots we are. Um, that's going to be Smart Dummies 2. So it's backwards, it's smart dummies number two at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter, two smart dummies. I like to respond back, so any of our postings, you can check us out. We'll be doing a fantasy podcast on Saturday to give you all your latest updates. Anything else, man? That's it, that's all. 
Peace. All right, y'all. Peace.